Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, we got a good amount to get into today uh, with John Marin, the Dave Gellman Pressers. Um, it seems like Jason Garrett's returning, and we know for a fact Patrick Graham's returning because he just loves the culture of the New York football giants. Justin, how you doing, man? Uh, Bobby Skinner doing well. Um, almost Friday. We're on like a little bit of a different recording schedule now. We're, we're recording on a Wednesday night. You know, it's going to be the off season. We're only going to release episode two times a week unless news breaks. Unless news breaks, then we'll have. Then if we have to go more than two times a week, we'll do that. Um, I just want to thank everybody for listening because you know it's a it's a rough day yesterday, but thanks for listening to Talking Giants and thanks for uh, talking Giants with us. So, Bobby Skinner, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, well, not as wonderful because it's Jason Garrett news, but we'll 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 talk through it. We'll get through it through it as a as a podcast. Um, and as always, we'll uh, we'll look at the positives and and move forward. We're not going to spend the whole off season crying about you know a decision we don't like. Um, but we well, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we had some soy boys, sour boys. Uh, John Merritt, Dave Gettleman talk about 2018 today. I mean, what are they doing? Why are they still bringing up 2018? We'll, we'll, that was that was sarcasm. I know, I know. We'll 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 get into it before we get into it. This episode was brought to you by four people. Chris, Goosh. his name is G O O D C H. He's from England, so I, I'm assuming that's an English name. Spell that last name again for me. G O O D C H. It's like Goosh. It's almost like the offensive line coach. Coach, coach Goosh. Goosh. Coach yeah. Goosh. Coach Goosh. That's how it's really spelled. We got Robbie Ruggiero. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. We got Eric Flanagan. And then Jason Epstein, who's, you know, he has some relatives that, you know, we're, you know we don't judge by people by who they're related no to. No relation. So Jason. We love you, Jason. Even though you related to some to no, people, we no love relation. You. you don't know that. Oh, speaking of which, remember how I, we had a guy named Panicola, and I was like, "Oh, that was our baseball coach in high school's name." He it messaged me. He's was. like, "Who did your uncle, um, like coach for?" He's like, "I have an uncle who's a ba- or who did uh, he coach for?" I have an uncle who like coaches baseball in Florida. And I was like, "Well, he went. He coached at these two schools." He's like, "That's my uncle," which is small world. And I got notice on Monday. I mean, this podcast is a growing. Justin, who are all these people that are related to some not so great people? Bobby, you are a natural ancestry.com. I mean, that that's that's what's happening here. Those wonderful people uh, are our Patreon is an interconnected family. You can join this interconnected family by going to patreon.com slash talking giants. Two dollars a month live stream. You get to hang out with us while we record the episodes. You get you can win some shirts. I'm even wearing a talking giant shirt right now, a red talking giant shirt. Um and some other fun perks. Um, so patreon.com slash talking giants. Thank you. We love you, patrons. All right, let's talk about John Marin, Dave Gettleman talking to the press. We'll start with Marin because he's the owner. He's the one we hear from the least, and he he talked first, Justin. And there's a few things to go through. I think the biggest thing is one, his decision to bring back Dave Gettleman. And Justin, he enforced this point and he said it over and over again. Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge work together and they have a good working relationship. Those guys work together. They are, you know, they aren't making decisions without one's not making decisions without the other. Those two work together. And that to me is the reason why John Mayer brought back Dave Gettleman. You know, because the team, there's some definitely some good growth this year. But at the end of the day, they only won six games. I thought that was the saving grace for Dave Gettleman. It's like we've had one year of Joe Judge and it went. Well, like the 2020 offseason went well. We're hoping that the 2021 offseason goes really well. We thought 2019 went pretty well. 2018, they admitted some, uh, well, they didn't admit what mistakes, but they said that there was miscal- uh, miscalculations, which we'll talk about. Um, so I, I think that is what came down to bringing back Dave Gellman for 2020. And, you know, we were asked about it a lot in the voicemail episodes during the season. And I, I, kind, I kind of agree with that. Like with Joe Judge, the Dave Gettleman, GM era worked well. It just did. Like there's no even as big as haters can't deny that. Yeah, the the looming black cloud, and we're we're gonna get to this. the lo- The looming black cloud is the offense, and um, we could talk more about the offense even with Dave Gettleman. We'll have more of a big picture conversation. Um, but they he did mention a couple times the working relationship between Gettleman and Judge, and overall, no matter how much I cringe about the offense. 
what I consider the overall working relationship of Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman somewhat of a success in 2020, only looking at 2020, yes. Yes, I would. Now, I don't know, and I'm still not convinced that Joe Judge has as much say as people like to think. I always think that there's part of John Marin, Dave Gettleman that always does consider what the head coach has to say. I just have a feeling that uh, Joe Judge is a bit of a more uh, better presence, and he's a little bit louder, and he may be uh, probably a lot more well-prepared than Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo was. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the reality um, of, of that situation. But still, because Joe, even though Joe Judge is, seems like he can be more prepared and he can present information, he may be a better talent evaluator than those guys, um, doesn't mean that I think Joe Judge is you know, maybe second in command to Dave Gettleman like a lot of people like to think. Oh, if Joe Judge says that Dave Gettleman is his guy, then Dave Gettleman should stay. And if not, Dave Gettleman shouldn't. Um, So, oh, Dave Gettleman staying means that Joe Judge likes Dave Gettleman. I don't know if that's the case because I the think Giants I, have... I can I can draw I feel like I can draw that conclusion that Joe Judge no. likes working with Dave Gettleman. Well, I'm not saying that he I'm not saying that he I'm not saying that he doesn't like him, but I'm talking about how much power and we're talking specifically about John Mara's presser how much power John Mara has given Joe Judge, that is still very unclear. And in my opinion, just be, and this is my opinion, we're not reporters, I don't have inside information. Just because John Mara came out and said that they have a good working relationship and they make decisions together does not mean that the power structure in the New York Giants organization of the coach's coach, the GM makes the personnel decisions, and the owner middles and all of it, I don't think that has changed. But I mean, it's we we thought you know I I don't you know I think some people give like all of 2020 credit to Joe Judge like I I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, and then they'll say well all 2018 was was John Mayer, which we'll talk about too, like Joe Judge definitely has input and and Dave Gettleman has showed that with his coaches in the past I mean look at the Arizona guys we brought in, um think about you know a theme of free agency free agency this year was like hey it was guys they knew whether it was you know Blake and Fackrell with Patrick Graham, um. You know, bringing in Patriots guys or guys from Miami, it's it's like it seemed like they it was the coaches had input on on the players that they brought in. Yeah, I mean, but we've seen ex Arizona signings with Betcher. You didn't really see a lot of former former Shermer signings, but you saw a ton of ex uh, Betcher signings. So I'm not gonna solely just put that. We, we, we talk about it. Go. We talk about it with Joe Judge because it worked. That's that's why we talk about it. Um, you know, well, it was the first year with, well, I mean, with think about like the reason we didn't see a lot of Pat Shermer ones is because what nobody from that Pat Shermer offense left Minnesota besides Mike Co- Remmers. Correct. Mike well, Remmers Mike was Remmers, the only guy that left and we picked him up. Mike Remmers was a Ben Mac. I think he was a Ben McAdoo signing anyway. No, um, he was, he, he was Shermer. He came in for Shermer year two. I thought it was 2017. Oh no, you're right. Um, you're thinking of somebody else. Yeah. I may, I may be thinking of somebody else, but I, I, I don't think you can confirm or we we can't confirm or deny anything i'm just saying what i think and what i feel um what else what else do i want to bring you're up? thinking 20- of red ellison who was the, ah. the mcadoo guy yes. yes 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 um so i mean I, it's but the thing is he repeated that like a few like he made an emphasis that like we like the way that him and you know him all and right Joe but let Jeff me ask you a question together. let me ask you a question then this is what i wanted to bring up like that's why i was stuttering before I do think that there is tension between Jason Garrett and Joe Judge. Don't you? Don't you also agree with that? I don't think Joe Judge. I don't know. I think I don't think the I don't think the Jason Garrett book is completely closed. As far like right now, it seems like he's coming back. But if he wasn't coming back, they wouldn't come out and say like oh like you know like they wouldn't come out and say that he wasn't you know. Um, I don't know what to think of Jason Garrett, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Joe Judge is head over heels for Jason yeah. Garrett. I also think the fact that they brought up 2018 so much leaves Will Hernandez's future in doubt. We talked about that last episode, too. I think it definitely leaves Will Hernandez's future in doubt because they really did bring up 2018. While John Merritt, in the same breath, said that he wants Saquon Barkley to be a giant for a long time. And they also defended Eli Manning. So what is there? What is there left that is substantially that they could have planned to 
you know, change or make up from 2018. There's Nate Solder, obviously, you know, which depending on Alex what he decides. Patrick O'Mahon. I mean, there's definitely there's more than 2018 is more than Saquon, which I you know. No, no, you I'm, ta- I'm talking about like- guys talking about guys who are left on the team. That's what I'm talking about. Guys who are left on the like, why? Why now would the Giants come out and say that there were mistakes made in 2018 when there are still guys on the team? When last year there were still plenty of guys also left on the team, um, you know, including the free agents, some of the free agent signings, Alec Ogletree, the trade, um, Nate Solder was a starter. Why not come out and say that 2018 was a mistake last year? when everybody knew it was a mistake versus this year. Like they what, what is did, the point? They did. They said we made like like he said, like I thought you can um win while rebuilding. I was wrong. So they did admit mistakes from twenty eighteen. Um this year they made more of an emphasis of that where they are both like it seemed like they're But why? My my that, question is why? Line. My question is why? Why come out and say Because it's now? year three and they've won fifteen games and they have to be like, hey, the reason why that we think we're going the wrong the right way, but also winning six games in the third year is because we screwed up 2018. I think it could say more for if if Nate Solder decides to come back and they Nate can, Solder's not coming back for the Giants. But if it's, he does, if he uh, Bobby, I would not want to decline 20 million dollars. If I was a, if I was a football player um and I still had any motivation to play the game, I would not want to decline that money. Like I will make that football like you you made your bed, you lie in it now. You signed me to this contract and you backloaded it. So now I want to be paid. I would not. I would not hate him for that. But the Giants would cut him. Correct. That's the point. So that's why I think it's saving face for that move. And pot. And this is me. This is my opinion. Like what? Like I'm trying to think why strategically bring up 2018 specifically, and if they want to move on from Will Hernandez because he basically was benched after he got COVID. Now Will Hernandez's future may be in doubt, but I don't think like Will Hernandez has been talking. And we talked about the 2018 draft. I mean. Saquon was hurt all year, and we'll talk about you know the offense and Saquon. Like I I know we're used to on Saquon, but you, there's no doubt that Saquon makes the offense better, and I think we win more games with Saquon. Um, I don't think it turns the offense into like a much better offense, but I do think we win more games with Saquon. Um, Lorenzo Carter, third round pick, hurt, uh, hurt, and Lorenzo Carter was having a good year. Will Hernandez was this full time starter than COVID. Tat. Will Hernandez, Will Hernandez, let's, let's view it as a negative, and then BJ Hill, um, in the third round. Uh, you know he's a good player, but he just doesn't get to play, which is kind of frustrating. And then Kalaletta, I mean, I I I hate drafting quarterbacks in the late rounds. And R.J. McIntosh for like R.J. McIntosh for fifth round to me is a success. You're a fifth rounder and you're on the roster, the fourth year. I feel like that's a success, even if he's not even playing. So I I I really do think it is like, hey, the the reason they bring up 2018 is one because there were mistakes made. They're being honest. Um, and some of them are very loud, you know, of, you know, Alec Ogletree, uh, you know, Nate Solder, Patrick O'Mahon, uh, you know, trying to work it out with Eric Flowers. So that's, I think that's their reasoning for saying like, hey, yes, we are, we have won six games in the third year with this regime, but we still think it's going in the right direction. Right. Because 2018 doesn't count, which is also a, I mean, it's a problem that they, that they did basically say, oh, this one year doesn't count because we made mistakes. That's I what they're talking saying. with our I, I was talking with our friend Talking Giants Vigilante about it, and he's like, I think Dave Gelman did in three years what he should have done in two. And I think them bringing him back, and but I, I think it's just them giving him a clean slate. They're not judging him as a whole. Like, hey, from here on, from 2019 on is what we're judging you on, and we like what you did in 2019 and 2020. That's what we're judging you on because we we're, we're starting fresh. Um, and it's, you know, it's not. It's not like you. It's. It's like okay. Did you hit this grade? It's like that's not the way it works. You know. It's not like did you hit this amount of wins? If yes, you can stay. If no, you're fired. I think it's more of like hey, we screwed this up, but we believe that you can write it. It's very much anti what I feel like this Giants franchise once stood for. I think they did stand for no nonsense. You know, Dave Gettleman says that he stands for no nonsense. And by the way, I'm not. I'm not saying I want him fired. You know, Bobby and I, we both agree that, you know, uh, Jason Garrett is is the biggest obstacle for 
Giants wins and losses uh, next year. He was the biggest obstacle in terms of winning and losing games this year. He's going to be the biggest obstacle for winning and losing games next year, in my opinion. You know, the Giants can bring in some very, very good talent this offseason, even if they don't get top-fledged talent, which I, I know a lot of people expect, you know, Devonta Smith, who just won a Heisman, and people also expect Kenny, Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson, you know. Uh, I, I'm not expecting the Giants doing that because then you look at other teams in cap-friendly situations like any team in Florida or any state that does not have any income, state income tax, they automatically have an advantage for those top-tier free agents. So then the other teams need to be smart and methodical with their moves. So I'm not saying that, but especially John Mayer's press conference. I did not have a, I did not have a single problem with what Dave Gettleman said. Dave Gettleman, if anything, maybe hysterically laughed my ass off more than anything. But... This is very, there is a very anti-giant, giant, anti-giant wave vibe that is being presented out of the Giants organization right now. It is not no nonsense. It is not we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come in here, we're going to kick ass. It is not we are going to do everything that we possibly can do to win football games. It is crossing our fingers, hoping and praying that things do turn around, even though entire years of mistakes were made, hoping and praying things can just miraculously turn around, and if they don't, oh, Oh well, we're just. But I don't think that's what guy. it is. I think they like what he did in two two out of the three years, and those just happen to be the most recent two of the three. I I know it's like we we kind of just say like, hey, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge did a really good job with twenty twenty, but they did like, you know, he built a top ten defense. And is there a twenty nineteen free agent that's that's on the team right now? Well, the draft the twenty nineteen was mostly draft picks, but uh, there was trades with for Zeitler. Peppers, which those are, you know, two big pieces. Free agency. Let's see. Remmers is not on the team. Running back, wide receiver. Golden Tate. Golden was Golden was good. Oh, well, Golden Tate is Golden Tate is arguably Dave Gettleman's worst move because it also prevented Sterling Shepard from doing something that he's done very well. I don't think a guy who was productive for a year and then not. But it prevents Sterling year. Shepard. It prevents a very good football player in Sterling Shepard. How good has Sterling Shepard been? But I don't in think it's single, his worst move. I, it's a bad every, move. It's I not think his it, worst move. I think it's arguably his worst move because not only did you... worse than Alec Because not only did you pay $20 million in two years, not... No, he signed it for four years. Not only did you pay $20 million for a player that didn't belong on the team, but you prevented one of your best players from performing in a spot where he could be very good and provide a lot of value. Okay, but they I mean they were cap strong in 2019. Cap is flexible. You can work around the cap every year. Apparently they were ca- they, but they worked around it to get to 2020. They also worked around it to sign Nate Solder for the largest contract in an That in, was in 2018. But I'm, I'm saying they were they were in a worse cap spot in 2018. No, they weren't. They were able to go out and sign guys like him and Omaybe. I mean 2019 they were cap strong. Because of you know moving on from everybody the on Odell, Twitter says the, the Giants the everybody on Twitter says the the Giants were in cap hell in 2018. Maybe like going forward, 2019 they they could not like spend a lot of money. 2019 was when they used a ton of draft picks, where they went out and got their quarterback. They got Dexter Lawrence, who we think is really good. DeAndre Baker, that's like a in the middle where it's like like DeAndre Baker was supposed to be a key part of this defense this year. It's not like he just busted out. Um, you know, you get uh, uh, O'Shane Zimenez, who, uh, you know, got hurt this year. You got Darius Slayton out of that draft. So, I mean, 2019, I don't view – it's not it's not out of the park, but I view 2019 offseason as a positive. It's a combination of draft and free agency, and, and the only the only offseason where Dave Gettleman has actually put together continual moves – who they whiff moves, on in 2019 free agency? The only offseason which Dave Gettleman has put continual continuity moves together – that actually resulted in a good product on the football field was in 2020, and we are in year three. And the reason why the Giants were not in the playoffs is it because it took him three years to have a full offseason of continuity moves that fit together. 2019 was rookies, though. They like who? Like who did they? I'm whiff talking on? about. Like, for, I'm talking about continuity. That also includes free agency. But they didn't go out and get free agents in 2019. Yes, they did. They signed Golden Tate to a four-year, forty-year, forty million contract. A two-year, twenty million dollar contract. But in, but. And you trade away Odell Beckham Jr. to sign a 31-year-old slot wide receiver when you very much could have signed somebody cheaper, which we did go through some other options, and also they could have drafted. There were other options to fill wide receiver rather than trading away the best wide receiver in the world at the time and then signing a washed-up slot wide receiver. Traded a guy that was on the decline for Peppers, who's a huge part no, of this I defense, very much, for Dexter I very Lawrence, much agree. which is a huge part of this defense, and Kevin Zeitler, who... 
you know, is, has been a solid offensive lineman for two years, and we're you know trying to keep on for the third year. You know, we or we don't know what their decision is. So I, you know, yeah, they didn't bring in free agencies, but they brought guys in through trades. You know, he let Landon walk, which was a good move. Like I don't like twenty nineteen. The easy route for him would have had to you know not pick the QB, which I guess you can go you go back and forth on that. Would have been the keep Odell and sign Landon. That's what would have made the fan base happy, and all of those would have been bad. Like that, those would have been t- signing land, keeping Landon, and keeping Odell would have been two bad decisions. I'm not saying that. I never said keep Odell. I never said keep Landon. I'm talking about. But that's that's my a, defense of 2019 of why right. I like 2019. I don't think it's out of the park, but I I view it as a positive. Okay. We all right. So but that, but that that's why I think that's that's my. I, I think it's less you know crossing their fingers like. I don't think it's just them hoping. I think they like, hey, these are the things we like that Dave's done. We think we can continue to replicate the good things. Yeah, it's it's um, just un- it's unfortunate that it's not resulting in in winning football. Where now we are approaching year four, where the there's more of a hope that it does turn around instead of substantial signs, in my opinion, that a ten win season is coming. I I don't think it's built on total hope. I mean, we 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 because you're just hoping that you can get better talent in here, and then also this is where Jason Garrett comes in, and you just hope that Jason, you know, these these out of this world talented players can work in a scheme that is not designed for anybody to excel. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't argue with Jason Garrett, but I I don't think it's just like oh hope it gets better. Like I I think we both view it as going in the right direction with the players they have and the players they're going to add. Like, yeah, they have to add players. That's what you have to do. That's what you have to do every offseason. That's what they did in 2020 yeah. and why they, you know, the defense went from 30th to 9th. Um, yeah. The Giants went 8-8 eight and eight in 2013, two years after winning a Super Bowl, and John Mara spoke with very strong words about the direction of the team and was talking about how he was not happy with the direction of the team after they went 8-8 eight and eight two years after winning the Super Bowl. And two now years it's after been, winning a Super Bowl, not two years after going three and thirteen. Yeah, but that, I'm but I'm saying how now it has been years of losing, and we are not speaking with the same emphasis of turning things around. There's yeah, no emphasis. It's it's it's, it's, it's different. It's different though. It's it's not the same team. You know, we're dealing with a young QB that they hope grows. You know, and maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But like a lot of it is hinged on him. And I agree, Patrick, or Patrick, um, Jason Garrett. Like if they keep Jason Garrett around. Then I'm I'm right there with you. Then it's like, well, what are you hoping for? I agree with you on on Garrett. So you know maybe we're agreeing and we don't realize it. Let's finish off the John Mayer though. So we talked about how I I think it's a clean slate. Um, he he did do the the off season excuse for the offense, which is bull crap, and that's just a garbage excuse. It was a record year for offense. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jason Garrett as a whole um, towards the end. The other thing is something we've talked about. He flat out said. There was no mandate for keeping Eli. Now, I get you could come back and say that you don't get the job unless you say, like, you know, unless unless you say you're going to keep Eli, but that doesn't matter. Like, he said, you can't, he he said, I'm not taking any blame for that. He said it's nonsense. So, for people who said that, like, hey, Dave went, went into 2018 thinking they could win, and I was one of them, you know, I wasn't doing this as intense, but I was one of them. You can't put that on John Mayer because he he basically said I refuse to take any blame for that. That's nonsense. Yeah, that was a theme throughout the the whole press where he where he basically did say I I am not going to take any blame for middling in anything. Does that mean that everybody who believes that John Mara is involved in football operations um, does that mean that you're wrong? No. But this is, a, and again, this is this is also my point on why we should hold Dave Gettleman more accountable. But does that mean that Dave Gettleman should be held more accountable? Or let me even say this. Does this mean that Dave Gettleman is absolved from everything just because I still think that John Mayer is involved? Because unless he does sit there and he says that he is involved, then he is ultimately, you know, Dave Gettleman will ultimately be the sacrificial lamb in that case of John Mayer's own problems and John Mayer's own nonsense. Because um, we are forced to believe, as fans who do not have insider inf- insider information, who are not in the building, we are forced to believe, oh, if you are not going to take responsibility for middling and football decisions, we are forced to believe that the football people are making the football decisions. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're right there with you. And we can't, you know, we, 
a lot of people get on us for like assuming things. Well, you can't assume things either with that. You know, yeah. you can't assume that that was a Eli Manda. You can make inferences. Like I do think that him saying that he wanted to go forward with Eli um, probably gave him a better shot over anybody that said they they didn't, even though they didn't really interview a bunch of people. So I bet good chance everybody in the freaking interview process said they go forward with Eli. Besides um, Lewis Riddick, because <laughs> he was the only one outside the building. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that. You know, and thank God we didn't end up with Lewis Riddick. So, yeah. Anything else on Mayor before we move to Gettleman and other stuff? No, no. Um, yeah, I, got, I, I was I was glad offense, to hear Queen's I was slate. glad to hear that Mara, um disagreed with some decisions that the football people have made. I think he even referenced that in his presser too. I was like, you know, there there are even things that I don't agree with that Dave and Joe do all the time. So I was glad to hear that. Um, that means like, oh, wow, John Merrick can disagree with something and not have uh, not override it. Wow, what a concept. So um, maybe I am a little bit more of a Mara fan than I than I let on. I'm, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know. Yeah, I have nothing. I have nothing. I wasn't really uh, uh, despite despite our 20 minute conversation, Bobby. I, I, I wasn't really um, mad or anything with the with the pressers. We're more I'm more or less just I'm not happy with the with the state of the team. Losing sucks. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I think there is a standard for this is that next year, where you said like they're hoping and stuff, if they don't win next year, he's gone. There's like, we didn't go in, nobody went into this year. I mean, what were the expectations for this team next this year with Dave Gilman back? We were like maybe seven and nine. And, you know, if everything doesn't drop a ball versus Philly, yeah. we are literally seven and nine. Like, yeah. I, nobody was like, this team better go nine and seven, ten and six this year. The issue is the way it looked, though, where the offenses and the, and the defense being kind of swapping roles a little bit. I'm officially at a point where every year we're going to finish off a year saying, if only this happened, if only that happened, if only uh, the kicker hit this field goal to win the game, right? If only this guy caught the ball. If only um, this defensive player held on to this one sack, right? You know, I I feel like every year we're gonna have we're gonna have a moment or two of those. I'm kind of. I'm kind of overused. I mean, you. I okay, but okay. Let's let's get rid of it. Say, going into the year, the team goes six and ten. Are you like, oh my gosh, they underachieved? No, no. So, um, and the defense overachieved, the offense underachieved, um, which we'll, we'll talk about later. All right, no, let's but take there a is break. nuance. There is nuance to it because the offense was. Um, this is an offensive league, and they were second worst in points scored, and then that would be damning. There is that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If if hey if da- if Dave Gettleman was the one who's saying like no we need to bring back Jason Garrett then I'm I'm right there with you where it's like yep. well what what's what's the point so um and maybe Garrett's not coming back I just saw Chad Forbes say it's a one percent chance I don't know how reliable he is but he did say it so maybe 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 it happens all right let's take a break and then we'll talk about Gettleman Gettleman's presser since we basically just talked about Gettleman's tenure uh, so let's let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Playoffs? Want to talk about playoffs? Yes, that's right. It's right, okay? Football playoffs start this weekend, and there's no better place to get in all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked out the app yet, there is no better time to sign up and start cashing in. To celebrate the most exciting time of the football season, DraftKings has given you the chance to double, double your money. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football games. That's right. Once you opt in and place your bet, all you have to do is sit back and wait for a touchdown. While we're all excited for football, let's not forget the 2021 basketball season's kicked off. So head to the app now to check out all DraftKings daily odds boosts. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly. I, next, Knicks fans are in love with them. Bet him quickly. Quickly. I'm not doing this ad quickly because you need to listen up. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Unlike um, DeAndre Jordan. Make it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. These ads are starting to get a little starting to get a little wacky. We're, we're a couple wacky guys. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football code games. The code, John Boy, for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. It was a rough ad read. It's oh, been a while since oh, you've done it. shut up. It was a great ad read. It's rough. It was a great ad read. Rate the ad read, Patreon chat. That was a great ad read. F's in the good. chat. F's in the I chat. I thought it was good. Um, but if you do have a game, the problem call 100 Gambler. All right, let's talk about Dave Gettleman. You know, it's according to Justin. We're just gambling away, just hoping, gambling away for Dave Gettleman. Dude, let's talk about some real stuff, and then we'll talk about your minute and a half compilation of Dave Gettleman lines. <laughs> um, we basically talked mostly about it. One thing they made clear is they're going to add offensive playmakers. Whether that's in free agency, the draft, or both, they basically made it clear we are going to add offensive playmakers. Which, I mean, I don't think you had to listen to this press conference to think that they would probably do that. But it's nice of them to basically promise us that. Yes, yes. Uh, unlike unlike what John Mara had to say, and unlike some of the feelings that it came from, some of the feelings that I, I got from listening to that, I was 100% fine with what Dave Gunnelman had to say. Uh, there's not really, I know Bobby has some notes and I'll react to it, but there's not really any specific notes that I have. Um, but I, <laughs> Dave Gunnelman is a hysterical person. His, <laughs> the fact, that Let's just play he, the fact, no, I need to explain the context first. The fact that he is a hysterical person saved, in my opinion, the disastrous feelings that I had from John Mayer. Like, it saved it. Like, I was mad after John Mayer. I was like, ah, the Giants uh, were bad. Uh, but then Dave Gettleman comes, and he's hilarious. And you can very much, this is a real take. You can very much sense the difference in Dave Gettleman from this year versus last year. Where last year, it was very much clear that his job was in jeopardy, and John Mayer had enough of him. He's like, you are on your last straw. Where this year, the vibe of Dave Gettleman was different. Different. So I collected a total of 17 drops, 17 sound bites from this press conference because Dave Gettleman is a hilarious human being. All right, let's play, let's play them. Some some of them are pretty good. Like I have some saved for future reference. Uh, good morning, everybody. Jerry Mead, Kevin Abrams, and of course Ronnie Bonds. That the lessons learned the last couple years have put you guys in a position to succeed. Well, you know, Ad, I'll tell you this. And what was your reaction to his reaction to what went down in Philly uh, on the last night of the year? Well, Mark, how you doing, kid? That is him calling people kid. I like I I saved that. Like, how you doing, kid? Like that's that's why that's what makes Dave Gettleman Dave Gettleman. He's like, what's what's going on, kid? Well, like, being just, patronizing. Just, that that's what that's what really told me that it's like okay, your job is safe, and you know your job is safe because now you're back to being patronizing again. Yep, last year he was hat in hand, like, I'm so sorry, you know, I you know, I was hockey this year. You know, he wasn't, like, strutting around like he has in past times, but he definitely felt a lot more comfortable this year. All right, let's 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 get back into it. He, he starts at A and He's, gets to Z. Stats! Uh, how, long did, how long do you want to stick around for? Well, you know, it, it really is dependent upon the Lord how long I stick around for. You know, we're all day-to-day, by the way. That's a great... That's a great lifeline right there. That's a, that's a great lifeline right there. Like, we're all day-to-day, you know, if you think about that. Um, the, the good that, Lord. That was a good one. Like, I'm going to use it. Like, like if, if people like Dave Gettleman, we could turn that into a shirt. The issue is, the, the problem is most people don't like him. We're all day-to-day, if you think about it that way. Um, you know, the, the, the drop that it's going to take, how far, for everybody. I don't care if you're a, a football GM or you're a carpenter, or whatever. It takes a mental load on you. It puts a mental load on you. New York Post. Hey, Dave. Um, you got me? I got you, Paul. I'm here. Good. I hear no. you. Done with him last year, rather than giving him the franchise tag, because certainly seems like the price went up this year. <laughs> so, so, Ryan, it doesn't make a difference. You're killing me either way. <laughs> Ryan Dunleavy just makes people laugh. You know what I'm <laughs> He went on for a good while there. So, Leonard did a great job. Did a great job of working his fanny off. Obviously, they got to come soon. <laughs> you know, the, the, the idea is to win. Oh, idea. last year, uh, we didn't know he'd come that fast, and then this time, 
obviously they got to come. Played through. offensive center before, and and uh, you know we you know we drafted uh, you know we had Will, we got Sean Lemieux. They're big, they're young, they're strong, and they're tough, and they're smart. Oh, I need to save that one. Sean Lemieux was pretty good. I'm like Sean yeah. Lemieux. They're big, um, they're strong, they're tough, and they're smart. I, I get to save that one. I have three of those I saved. The ones I have saved to like reply to tweets and stuff are. How you doing, kid? He 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 starts at A and gets to Z. He starts at A. You're better at the awesome. accent than me. Dave got him in the Twitter account. Rated my accent six six and a half out of ten. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to study every single one of those 16 drops i may pick maybe 10 of my favorite <laughs> and i will cr- i think i want to now create a video where i'm impersonating dave gettleman um we can have a side-by-side battle i will it will be half the screen dave gettleman half the screen me and I, and it will be take dave gettleman take me take Dave Gettleman, take me. I will do that. That'd be a good that Twitter video. video. That'd be a good Twitter video on YouTube. No, I'm, like, everything. Everything. Ah, yeah, I'm you know what? Screw everything. it. Let's do it. You should do everything. it. Um, I will say the one thing that's good about keeping Gettleman back is I love the Dave Gettleman Twitter account. I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's fantastic. I agree. I agree. I, I, I mean, I remember him when he had like a hundred followers. I mean, I was, I was kind of the same thing. Here's the last thing I have on Gettleman. And I guess this can turn into talking about Patrick Graham a little bit. Um, and maybe we could finish off with Jason Garrett. We'll finish off with negativity. Uh, we're glad Patrick Graham is back. Like, really glad. And I think it does speak... I know the the word culture gets overused, but it, I think it does speak to the culture of this New York Giants team and what Joe Judge is doing. The fact that Patrick Graham decided he wasn't even going to do interviews. Like, there's no harm in doing interviews. And... You would have to think that he has a goal of being a head coach one day. And doing the interviews, there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of times it's, hey, year one, you do the interviews. The next year is when you get your real shot. So him not taking interviews and signing with us, I feel like that does say a lot about what Joe Judge is doing here. You know what I mean? Like, I really do think he is the assistant head coach. Like, I know, you know, I remember last offseason, it's like, you know, Joe Judge gets COVID. Jason Garrett could be the head coach. That's why it's such a big, good signing uh, when when Patrick Graham was the assistant head coach. But I do think, like, like stepbrothers, shake, like Joe Judge and Patrick Graham are shake and bake. Like they, no, you cannot tell me that you just got that reference wrong. You're done. You're, you're, you're kicked off this show. How did I get it wrong? You got shake and bake. Oh, not stepbrothers. Ricky Bobby and, and oh. Cal Nunn Jr. My the same thing. God. You act like I like mixed that up with like, you know, Walking of the Dead. Like Step Brothers and, and Ricky Bobby are very close. Apples and oranges, Bobby Skinner. Wow. Shake and bake. I don't know if I can continue the show. You gotta shake it and then you bake it. I think we need to play that minute and a half clip again for me to get happy. The magic man. <laughs> um Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree agree with you. Because really, it it would be nice to build something that good, sustainable franchises have. I mean, how how long have we been talking about the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator possibly being a head coach? He's been there. Uh, You know, how long has Josh McDaniels been rumored to get uh, a second opportunity? Whether he deserves that or not in a lot of people's eyes. I know, Bobby, you you have your opinions on Josh McDaniels. But how long was Matt Patricia defense coordinator in New England? And, he, you know, word on the street is that he should have been a head coach a long time ago, even though that didn't work out. My whole point is, is that continuity within a franchise with coaches that do a good job, coaches that do a good job is the important part of that sentence. Continuity with coaches that do a good job on your staff um, is important. And even with your position coaches, too. We thought that some of these guys may move on to college or maybe, we'll you know, see. maybe it's Jerome. Still very early. It's it's early, but you know, because true, because well, they won't move to college, up. but they could move to other NFL gigs, you know. Right, right, but uh, as of right now, that doesn't seem to happen, and that's important, and that's and that's good. At least you would we would hear maybe rumors of you know certain guys getting interviews, um, but we're also waiting for um, certain coaching staffs to fill out. So I guess it is a little too early to tell. But continuity is a good thing with coaches that are good. <laughs> yeah, and and. I- and this is something we kind of said, but I, I want to make an emphasis since we are talking about Dave Gettleman on this episode, is 
you know, Dave Gelman built this defense. Like, Patrick Graham has done a great job with the pieces. But a lot of our expectations were just not kind of believing these players. Like, I know he gets a lot of crap for the, you know, run the ball, stop the run take. But the stop the run take is real, and it's it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that your whole defense is placated around stopping the run. And we talked about this midseason. It means that you can have defensive linemen that stop the run, and you put your linebackers back in coverage, which they did this year, where you don't have to blitz like crazy to stop the run or bring an extra guy in the box. Um, and the fact that like this team lost all of their edge players this year. All of them. The second half of the season, they didn't have Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, uh, Marcus Golden was traded when we were 1-7, and and then Kyler Fackrell missed basically the whole second half of the season. Like They were missing their edge players, and I think that... Those guys aren't going to light it up, but this was a very like patriot way of like, hey, we're not going to go, we like, we're not going to spend twenty million dollars on Jadavion Clowney or or Yannick Ngakwe or whatever. So I think he built a really good defense, and you know what, James Bradbury, he turned out amazing as a top three corner. Blake Martinez, like I like Blake, I I wasn't big on the signing, but I like Blake. He exceeded our expectations, and we our defensive linemen stopped the run so that our other players can play the pass and. You know what? It's it's working. We had a top 10 defense this year. We had a top 10 defense, top 9. They're the ninth ranked defense. And they were able to stop the run with their defense alignment and let their linebackers pass. Like I haven't seen a team that doesn't bite on play action like the New York Giants. Now, part a lo- big part of that is coaching. But a- another part of that is like we don't need our linebackers to flow like crazy to stop the run because we do have the run stoppers up front. So I do want to give Gettleman some credit. For this defense, you know, it's it's not simply Patrick Graham just being a total wizard, you know. Yeah, you want to credit the front end. I want to credit the back end because, uh, you know, I I have I've even said this uh, in 2019. We're with you know having having Baker and sticking with Janoris Jenkins, even when we did that, and when that secondary looked entirely different from the one that we had one that we had this year. But Dave Gettleman prioritizing secondary pieces with drafting McKinney in the second round. And you can argue, you know, I guess trading for Leonard Williams, you know, that cost you a third round and a fifth round pick. You took Dexter Lawrence in the first round. Um, But even look at the edge. There has not been a lot of assets that have gone to the edge position versus the assets that have gone to the secondary. What, Julian Love, was he a third round pick? Fourth round pick. Fourth round. Fourth round pick. Darnay Holmes, third round pick. Xavier McKinney, second round pick. Jabril Peppers, costed you a good player in in, uh, in Oda Beckham Jr. But good, we like that trade. Um, uh, Logan Ryan is, na- is now extended, and he's hopefully going to be here for the next three years. Um, James Bradbury, costed you a little bit of a pretty penny um, in free agency as well. He's not a cheap player, but you know we look at that contract now, and we love it. So I don't think Dave Gettleman is an idiot in regards to positional value on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. If he was an idiot, I think he would um, draft Josh Allen in 2019, plus uh, went out and signed uh, Jadavion Clowney for a big contract. If he was an idiot, I think he would have done that. But he's not. And he actually invested in the back end. He invested in good secondary players. Obviously, having Patrick Graham helps. Um, So, really, all around. Bobby told you about the front end and how the front end helps the back end. And just having a good secondary in today's NFL... When quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball in two, in a two and a half seconds, sometimes on average, you know you're you're not judging how you're getting to the quarterback. You're judging how you're covering because guys can't. It's impossible for guys to get to the quarterback in two and a half seconds. I think the quickest Giants sack this year was by Austin Johnson, and it was two point six seconds against the Rams. It might have been quicker than that. Might have been like two point four, but. That was the quickest sack the Giants had this year. And and there are some quarterbacks in the NFL who average getting rid of the ball in 2.4 seconds. So good for Dave Gettleman doing uh, and covering his his ass on the back end with this defense because it really helped out this year. Yeah, and when we talk about like the need for an edge, that to me, like when I say this def- this defense needs an edge, it needs an edge to be an elite defense. Like right now, yeah. I have Vito's a really good defense. I think it needs a good edge player to become an elite defense. Either that or you add another really good cornerback too, and then you're like, all right, we can have average players on the edge. Um, or down the stretch they had below average because of injuries. But injuries happen to every team, so I can't you can't re- fully use that either. Um even though it was weird. Like, you know, we going into the season with outside linebackers, like, do we need all these guys? And at the end of the season it's like Nico Lelos, uh getting reps. Um, some <laughs> kind of Jabal Sheard, like he is our number one edge player. Uh let's finish off 
talking about Jason Garrett. Let's just let's just assume he's back. You know, we let's at at the moment let's just assume he's back because there's been nothing to indicate that he's not back. Um, although I hope all the other coaching spots get filled and the Chargers are stuck with him. Everyone knows how we feel about Jason Garrett. I do not think he's a good offensive coordinator. I don't. I don't think he will ever give this offense an edge. It went from the 19th ranked offense to the 31st ranked offense. Now I agree. You know Saquon out, but I don't think Saquon going out is the reason. An offense that we had a lot of hope for the potential went to the 31st ranked offense. We're not going to go in and out of the schemes, but it is a very passive offense. It's a very passive offense, Justin. And and I I, I go into the past, even like last year when uh when Kellen Moore was the OC for Dallas, you think about the way that what was the Cowboys issue? Like they could beat up on the bad teams because they had all world talent. Like think about all the talent the Dallas Cowboys did. You know. Last year, they had a top-notch O-line. Dak's a really good player, really good wide receivers, uh, you know, a top-five running back in Zeke. They had all-world talent and a pretty talented defense on the back end. But against playoff teams, Justin, they went 1-6. Against non-playoff teams, they went 7-2. And And Dak Prescott's numbers in those games are what's alarming. As Dak Prescott, who we think is a good QB against playoff teams, completed or against non-playoff teams, 66.8% of his passes, 309 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, 7-2, 34 points per game. That's crazy. Like, And they have good players, so they should be putting up those type of points. Um, you know, you're not going to average 34 for a season, but those are great numbers. Against playoff teams, they went 1-6. The percentage, the completion percentage drops down by 3.8 to 63. The yards per game is the same. Eight touchdowns and eight interceptions and 18.3 points per game. That really talented Dallas offense averaged 18 points per game, went one in six against playoff teams, and is the reason why they missed the playoffs with a Super Bowl roster. The 2019 Dallas Cowboys had a Super Bowl roster, and they missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. And I get, you know, Kellen Moore, but I think Kellen Moore is better than Garrett. So I think that, you know, that speaks more to it. What they did with Daniel Jones and turning into the 31st ranked offense stinks. So we talk about like, oh, does adding Saquon help? Absolutely. Like we, you know, Wayne Gallman, like we didn't have any of those explosive plays from the run game. There's one versus Seattle and that was it. And they didn't even score. Saquon has done that consistently. So yes, we didn't have any big screen plays from the running back. Saquon against Pittsburgh, like I think he had two in that game. So yes, there's big plays that Saquon makes happen that the running backs currently in the roster don't happen. So that does help. Does having great wide res- getting good wide receivers in this offseason, will that help? Yes, absolutely. Will the young O-line getting better help? Yes, absolutely. But here's my thing. He will never be, or will, will having continuity help it from this year to next? Yes, it will. I don't think you should, that we should lay, you know, you're, you go to sleep on is, oh, we're, we're just building continuity. Yes. So do I expect the 2021 offense to be better than 2020? Absolutely. Even with Jason Garrett, I expect it to be better because there should be better players. Um, younger players should get better. And continuity does help, but it's not every it's not a reason continuity is not a reason to keep somebody. But Jason Garrett is never going to be an advantage for the New York Giants. He's never going to be. So I think anytime we're outmatched talented or at the same mark talented with a defense, they will win that battle because Jason Garrett does not give us an edge. Okay? He's you know, worse than like the second down run rate. He uh, doesn't use motion worth anything. He doesn't attack the ball downfield, which is the the strengths of Daniel Jones. He doesn't put the check down in the middle of the field, which is the strength of Daniel Jones. He does not fit what we're trying to do. And I don't think he fits what a lot of teams would probably be trying to do with a young QB. I, I just, it just, it just puts a damper on 2021 for me if J- if Jason Garrett is back, man. Because I just don't, like, you know, I don't believe in it. Now, if he totally changes, will I be like, hey, I was wrong, and I will celebrate it. Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, technically. And, like, I think, for example, with Gettleman, like, like, like I if if he's doing good now, I'm not going to bring, bring up 2018. Like, so if they do good next year, I'm not going to be like, yeah, well, he sucked in 2020. I'm not going to do that. But... Everything points to it not working. I just, everything points to it not working. And I don't think we're going to have the talent to overcome Jason Garrett. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the hope that we had heading into this year 
is that he would evolve. You know, <laughs> he was a play caller back, in, I think, from 2007 to 2011 in Dallas. That is when he was calling every single play. And those teams were very, very ultra-talented. Um, a lot of years, Dallas had a very talented uh, roster. Arguably, they weren't their they weren't their most talented until until 2014, where they went 14 and two with Demarco Murray and Tony Romo. Tony Romo barely had to even throw the ball, but he was still considered for MVP just because of how efficient he was. That was insane. And even that Offensive Dallas coordinator team couldn't. Tony Romo. Off of, yeah, really. Uh, well, let's get Tony Romo. How funny would that be? Tony Romo calling Giants plays. Um. Unless he evolves, right, and unless Joe Judge is going to force him to evolve, you know, similar to similar to how oop, I hit the microphone, similar to how Freddie Kitchens uh, called plays against Cleveland, and we did see a changing of philosophy and a changing of the game plan post Cleveland Browns game with Colt McCoy. By the way, we saw a little bit of a of a change in plans in terms of attacking a downfield a little bit more which tells me that that was Joe Judge stepping in saying, look at this, look at this and look at the results. And, and he did you know, step even though- in in the beginning of the season with the run game. Like I, you know, that's yes. something where I, I'm technically guessing, but he stepped in, the run game changed and it wasn't simply guys blocking better. They were doing more pulling, more trapping, um, where the first four games of the season, it was strictly inside zone, outside zone. They weren't even blocking the backside. They weren't, it was like, it was like a high school running game, and it changed. And I was actually looking at some stuff the Patriots did, some of the stuff Chad O'Shea did with Miami last year, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is the stuff. This is the stuff. That's right around the time he's probably started co- talking to Coach Gooch, who's probably putting a little bit of that in his ear. So, listen, this is a guess, but I do think the the run game going from historically bad to pretty good had a lot to do with Joe Judge because he didn't, you yeah. know, Jason Garrett didn't just wake up and be like, I'm going to change my entire running offense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I've told this stat before. And if you're talking Giants diehard listener, you know this stat like the back of your hand because it's alarming. Uh, before week five, the first four weeks of the season, Giants running backs were being tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage on 30% of their rushing attempts. That's bad. That's three out of every 10 rushing attempts. Of scheme. Yes, it was, you know, that was three out of every 10 rushing attempts, and you're not running the ball every play. So maybe you run the ball one out of every three plays, right? So (laughs) think think of how high that rate is of whenever you attempt to rush the ball that it's just a negative play and you don't go anywhere. And it, and we can infer, based off of evidence, that it was Joe Judge was the one to kind of step in and change things for Jason Garrett. Now, the hope for continuity is that there actually will be an offseason this year. Hopefully, they will be able to be in person. Hopefully, they will be able to do the the self-scouting process. And this is something that Joe Judge did talk about during his, during his kind of uh, exit press conference. The self-scouting that is necessary, he gets to do that with Jason Garrett this year. So that's the hope. And, th- and that this kind of brings me back to my point that I had the first show. We're just well, hoping like that he... a total moron, you know? we're hoping that he evolves. We're hoping that the offense can evolve, which is crazy that, you know, Jason Garrett has been in the league for so long and we are still begging for him to evolve, but that is where the giants are. Yeah, man. It's just, it it doesn't inspire any type of hope Um, where, you know, you're talking about Gellman. It's like at least 2020. It's like, we can re, uh, you know, recreate that. Like there's a lot of hope for this team with Jason Garrett. He's giving you no, and, and that's what pissed me off about John Mayer using that bullcrap like, oh, we, there was no preseason, the COVID. That pissed me off. That was a horrible excuse. There was a yeah. record amount of points scored in the NFL this year. A record amount. We got worse. Everybody else had to deal with stuff. There was some good teams that changed coaching staffs that had really good offenses. Look at the Cleveland Browns, for example. And, and you can even look at the numbers. Games 1 through 8, the Giants scored 131 points. Games 9 through 16, they scored 135 because John Mara said it got better in the second half. It didn't. That's a half a point per game. We can say, well, you know, they did miss Jones for two games. Okay, so in the first eight games, 16.25 per game. With Jones, in the, in the six games he was health, uh, playing, 18.5. Well, he was banged up against Arizona. 20.8 points per game, which would have put them at 27th in the NFL. And that's that's picking the, the best games from the offense this year. Yeah, That is not... Acceptable, and that's Jones playing some damn near perfect games. Like the Philly game was perfect. They scored, 
The highest amount of points this offense scored was 27, twice. The first game against Dallas, against an extremely undisciplined defense that was horrible at the time. I mean, it still was a bad defense during Week 17, but in Week 5, I mean, it was horrid. It was horrendous. And then Philly, where Daniel Jones, I don't say this lightly, played perfect in that game. I mean, they took advantage of every downfield shot. They converted on every single one. He was audibling at the line, out of stuff. The offensive line played well. The running game worked well. Daniel Jones was perfect in that game, and they scored 27 points. You and can't, they barely won. <laughs> yeah. You can't live on that. You can't expect your QB to be perfect. And even Dan Orvlosky, who is like not a, you know, he's not a Daniel Jones like defender. I mean, he's kind of was a hater at sometimes. He's like, in the Giants offense, you have to be like, your QB has to be perfect for it to work well. He's like, they, there's like, they never make it easy for him. We, you've talked about it with the yak numbers. This offense. And maybe it turns around in 2021 with Jason Garrett. Maybe. But when you're looking at 2020, it was a total failure. And every excuse for it, to me, is a garbage excuse. No one's saying that this offense was supposed to be a top 10 offense. I get. The players aren't great. It's not supposed to be a top 10 offense. But to go from a QB's first year to a second year and go from 19th to 31st, you got to give me more than the Saquon injury for an explanation for that. Jason Garrett's offense sucked in 2020. And it was because of his schemes his mindset, the way he attacks a defense. It was bad. Okay, so there's nothing that Jason Garrett did in 2020 inspires hope. The only hope for 2021 is that hopefully Joe Judge just totally changes it, which I don't think if, – if that's the case, just bring in you know, bring in a new OC, or if you really don't want to change the whole system, just make Freddie Kitchen the OC. Yeah, I agree. Good for uh, good for Zach Rosenblatt for being the first guy to bring it up to to Mara, and then I think it it kind of inspired a little bit of a flurry of questions from some other people on the beat, um, even with Gettleman. So good for uh, credit credit Zach Rosenblatt, uh, fr- friend of the program, because they weren't Maybe. asking about it by the way. No, they weren't. They weren't. They were asking about the Eagles. They were asking about the Eagles, and there was one other thing that they talked well, about. They're trying that to get me- headlines. They're not trying to find out info. <sighs> Talking about, I I will I will never under I, I mean I guess you know I I didn't I didn't go to school for this so I don't know. John I'm Mara not- says offense isn't good, isn't like and and I think I will give beat reporters credit. I agree with what you're saying. I will give them credit. I think sometimes they're like I'm not going to waste my question on something they're not going to answer. You know. I mean it, you know Bobby every week we w- we would talk every podcast. We would talk about how disappointing the offense is. That was every single week. There, even in games where they were good, it was still like, well, it wasn't, still wasn't great, and it still was yeah. barely enough to win this game. You, you know, it, so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not frustrated yeah. with it. it. It is, it's just frustrating that we, that we don't know, and hey, maybe they, we'll put this episode out, and he'll be fired. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who? I don't know about fired. I think it's clear he's not going to get fired at this point. It's going to have to be that he's moved on. Mutually part ways could be something. Giants love to. Giants love to um, use PR language to make the relationships with other people that they disrespect a lot better. Cough, cough. Tom Coughlin. Yeah. I mean, I get that too. <laughs> Even though Tom Coughlin just, we, I wish we could have had this podcast on the day Tom Coughlin, like just totally just didn't shake John Mayer's hand at that press conference. Oh, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. I would have been pissed. Now we're really opening up a can of worms. It pisses me off so much that they fired Tom Coughlin. Like, here you go, everybody in the organization, just step up one spot. Like that was, oh my God, that was so frustrating. Dave Gettleman's the type of guy that when he when he's going to get fired, he's going to shake John Mayer's hand and he's going to thank him. Tom Coughlin's the competitor that when he gets fired, but it's not actually called that he's getting fired, he's the competitor that's just going to walk by and say, screw you. And I, I love, love Tom. that. I love Tom. I love Tom. Um, all right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. Um, you know, the tentative schedule is Tuesday, Friday, but if any big news breaks, we'll probably hit you on Monday. Um, and hey, if Jason Garrett gets fired on Thursday, we'll we'll be back tomorrow. So I uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, joining us for this, this beginning of this offseason journey. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>